to try and get the extra 15 bucks that you're going to get from doing that uh, can have a huge damage to your actual brand long term. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Design Huddle. Today, we're going to be talking about UX best practices for travel websites. Uh, we have a ton of tips, some things that we've learned from working with travel companies. Um, so we'll share some of the best practices so you can enhance the usability of yours. All right, so let's start from the top, Mustafa. How are you? Oh, how are you doing, man? <laughs> long time no see. Yeah, I don't, has it good. really been that long? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a minute. But we are both just complaining about allergies. So if I sound insanely nasally, that's why. <laughs> and if I sound insanely nasally, it's just because that's how I sound. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's just hope we get some relief soon. But all right, let's cruise into this. So travel, obviously, uh, during COVID, people weren't traveling. So there's been a lot of effort and time that companies have spent kind of revamping their their websites, mobile websites, native apps, everything in between. So typically when you come to a travel site and you land on the homepage, you are typically have a few things. The first of which is the value prop. So something that tells you what they do. So let's take hotel tonight, amazing hotel deals tonight and beyond. So they're trying to give you deals like for like last minute deals is basically their value prop. Following that, there's almost always some sort of search or field entry that has to happen. So typically, it's if it's a travel site, it'll be like, where are you going? When are you going? And maybe some additional details like, is there adults? Is there children? How many rooms? But there's always just like the location and the date are typically places that travel sites start. So the number one thing that I think travel sites have to have is a clear call to action above the fold. So typically if it's a, a flight, it would be find flights, find hotels, some sort of action verb that um, websites need to do. Um, the next is you also wanna be able to have an organization of content categories. So for hotels tonight, it's pretty straightforward. You're looking for last minute hotel deals. For other sites that are a little much bigger, think like, um, I don't know, like an Expedia or a Priceline or one of those sites, um, you typically want to have product categories. So think of like hotels, flights, cars, cruises, easy ways for people to kind of identify which type of travel they're looking for. So my favorite recommendation or the favorite design that I've seen is having a, um, a fixed menu bar at the bottom of the page so you can toggle between different experiences fairly quickly. So whether you're looking for hotels or flights, it's a quick tap and you can kind of move to that world and or that, uh, that um, content category. So those are the two ones to start. Clear CTA and organizing by categories if you're larger 
um, are a place that I would start on the homepage. The last tip on the homepage is trying to keep it as clutter-free as possible. These sites can get very overwhelming and kind of overwhelm users right from the start. So being very focused on what you put on your landing page is gonna be very critical to ensure that users continue their journey. Um, one other small tip is adding an additional value prop where you could say like, you know, you get 10% off today or members get X percent off or there's 24 hour flash deals. Like travel people tend to, um, are always kind of looking for deals. So having a value prop fixed or somewhere on the page can help them continue uh, along to start their journey. Those are just mine on the landing page. Anything I missed there, Mustafa? Anything that you like to see when you're designing or browsing any travel websites? Uh, no, I remember a while back I did um, a training course on Skillshare and I was look, analyzing, like trying to explain like mobile experiences versus desktop experiences. And so I was looking at, say, um, Virgin Atlantic. And I know you're, this is more... The stuff that you're talking about is specifically to travel sites rather than airline sites, which is very, which I can see airline sites have got an element of this where they will incorporate hotels and other stuff. Um, but what I liked about when you looked at the desktop site versus the mobile site, the mobile site always seemed to be the minimal viable product just due to um, uh, real estate that you can see on the screen. But I always found the mobile sites when it comes to searching for stuff or focusing on the specific stuff much more easier to use. The desktop sites often have a lot of clutter because they're trying to fill the space rather than focusing on the key thing of like um, finding a date, finding a price point, or maybe inspired by a location that you you didn't consider, but it's within a price point, right? really getting you to the core part of the experience. So I think it's always about focusing on the key action that you're trying to get someone to do. So I always find like the mobile sites, so looking at airline sites, which they have to optimize optimize a lot so british airways one or perhaps virgin atlantic um as as like just what what is the minimal thing on the screen um right and i, I think with travel sites there's certain user personas right you have the user persona of someone who wants to book a, a holiday for family and kids right so they, they, their time slot is very is important and right in that then you've got folks who they're a bit more freer with when they can go, but they're looking for they've, their focus is like um, budget, right? Um, and then you've got, I suppose, you know, in search, we have like, I'm feeling lucky, maybe even just doing that kind of thing where someone's like, they're not really sure, give them inspirational stuff. Um, so I think exploring those three buckets and seeing that those three user types are very, very distinct. Uh, so it's not so much the, uh, a user persona, but more like user scenario. So like, this is like the common yeah. things which people are going to. Um, yeah, but I tend to, I tend to think of it just on that point as like, you're coming on the site, you're going for different users. I think it typically goes discover, getting um, additional details. So you're learning and then you're ultimately converting. But that discovery piece is becoming more and more important and as a differentiator, because sometimes when you're traveling, especially now that everything's reopening, the, the narrative of being able to go anywhere in the world is not necessarily the case right now. So people are actually looking more locally, like where can I go within yeah, region, within state, you know? Like, so that's the, the current mindset, but I think that's a really good point. And also, I mean, I suppose like, how do you, cause it's like where you, the difference between UX design and service design, UX design is in within the context of the thing that you're designing. Service design is looking at the entire experience from the point you actually join. So um, we were looking at user journey mapping. I think uh, one of the episodes that we've recorded um 
last week where we're looking at stories of user journey mapping, what user journey mapping is uh, and yep. what it isn't. And that kind of ties to service design where the moment someone engages with your brand or your product. Uh, and so where the service design can help in, especially with airlines, is like if someone has the ability to subscribe to last minute deals or like I, you know, like more inspiration, like you really want to visit this place. When is it open? can you send me a ping so then you get emails or text messages or the equivalent um and so having the ability for like re-engagement points but letting the user control at what point they do i think is really important uh the other thing i think which came up with more specifically travel like airline sites because that's the ones which i know a bit more about um yep. was like dark patterns so check boxes mm -hmm. already selected or unselected which would get people to buy insurance when they were not sure that they were actually buying it like they, are these things you want to kind of avoid because users are, are, are very, well firstly there's like it's unethical right secondly it's like users are much more savvy and if to try and get the extra 15 bucks that you're going to get from doing that uh can have a huge damage to your actual brand long term and will lose repeat yeah. custom and people remember bad experiences and they'll say yeah i don't go to them they do this thing and i i already had insurance and they made me buy insurance and like to avoid stuff like that, or at least if if this your stakeholders are saying no, we need to do these things, just make it really clear that um, it's not worth the long term. Like you know, yeah. So so one alternative to that dark pattern, which I think is a really good point. So obviously not having that check by default is great. Keeping the messaging super simple, and then the thing I like of late is insurance companies are adding value props like. 15,000 people have booked this in the last or used this in the last 24 hours to save X amount of money. You know what I mean? They're making it some sort of statistics or data points to make you feel more comfortable for paying $15. Yeah. I mean, if, Which, if I mean, if it's tied to like, you know, obviously COVID, COVID protection yeah. or whatever they call it, then, then I think there is value. But just being really clear to the person what they're actually purchasing, the more clarity, the more comfortable people are. It's like, again, I look at, um, because of my way i look at <laughs> food ordering services as the best kind of experience like the like uber eat i uber eats i love because you can see the entire journey from start to finish and i think that yeah, that com awesome. the confidence that that builds the same with like we've mentioned this before domino pizzas and uh, just the, the confidence that that instills in a person that i can trust these people to do stuff and i don't have to think about um if you can get that that's a huge part of a brand experience that is hard to measure but it's that that it's really valuable to have that reassurance element in your experience, and so that the the app the site almost becomes like an assistant rather than a service that you're put you're purchasing. It's like oh no, I'm here to help you do the right thing that will protect you throughout the entirety of this experience. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. The more transparency and honesty you can come across, like as the brand, you're just going to get more loyalty, right? You don't care. You know what's great is like, you know, of course, a one-time user is great, but you know what's great? If someone signs up because they had such a great experience, that's a sign of a good, like, you know, travel experience. So one thing I, I did want to, a common question that, you know, I've heard from friends that work in like, you know, the travel industry or work in product on, for travel companies is like, you know, they, they're required to put like more information. So I do think um, there's this trend right now of information banners, which I think is important, right? Yeah, especially with COVID, you see these all the time. They typically, they're in the topically, like right below the header or in the top one fourth of fifth of the page. Um, so just some recommendations there, because I've been like seeing this more and more. 
the one there's a there's a few things one is you want to make sure you're not using any alarming colors like you want it to be come across from a place of empathy so basically saying you know we're taking your health and safety seriously during this time um you can also make it clear of what you're doing so we see this all the time right daily sanitation refundable tickets refundable houses etc like that piece of like um it, it suggests the precautions that the company is taking then you also have the ability to close out okay i get the information i don't need this anymore let me return back to my my, my journey um and then the last is like if you're really interested you can even click a cta that's minimal usually just like an underlined hyperlink where you can learn more yeah so these are kind of the simple things that you can do to provide information at a glance but then also allow users to dismiss it after they get it um, and I see this being a thing for a while. Like I, I don't. I think this is going to be a trend that product managers, UXers are going to have to figure out ways that they can make users immediately feel more comfortable that their safety and well-being is being looked at from a, at a, you know at a moment's glance. Yeah, I mean, I saw. I mean, this kind of reminds me a bit like the cookie banners or GDPR. Uh, like mm -hmm. what I like with the BB. Like everyone does an overlay on top of the experience, and I really hate those overlays on that because it's just like. It's, it's very jarring in, in the current context of the experience. What the BBC does, which I, which I think is really cool, is they actually have a banner that sits above the actual site, which you can just close off. So it's not overlaying. So if you want to ignore it, you just carry on scrolling. Or if you want to close it, you close it out. But it's not actually stopping you from carrying on with the experience. Um, and it's like, we're actually, it's interesting. Like a couple of days ago, we were looking at, say, user education at work. Um, and... The design tool, and I just found this, it's like quite delightful, it's like the design tool Figma. Um, like if you want, if you import like an image and you just want to uh, crop the image, it's a bit of a pain where you have to select the image, you have to select a button and then you have to double click. And it's like a few steps where what Figma introduced is like if you just press the Apple key or like the control key, I suppose, then the, the, the around the surrounding image, you get the, I don't know, the handles where you can start cropping the image mat like yep. right away. And the moment you do it, the long-winded way, a little pop-up dialogue which animates, oh, you know, you can actually do this much easier if you just select the image, press this key and whatever. And I thought, what a beautiful moment to actually educate the user because that's exactly when they're trying to do something. You found that they're doing it the long way or the way that was already in, but here's a much easier way to do it. And I think that really delightful education piece. So if you can capture a moment within the experience where you can add these education pieces and they can appear as bubbles animated and say, like... Because, you know, if someone hasn't been to an airport for a while, they don't know what the process is. Perhaps you just show quick dialogues. Okay, when you're getting your ticket, this is what you need to do. Or like, um, and in the animation or motion that you're doing, you actually show the cleanliness, like someone's being wiped down or whatever. So again, these are like reassurance points. But I really like the way Figma, it injects education moments right at the point where it's actually yeah. useful rather than you're just trying to do something. And suddenly it's like, oh, it's like, you know, Clippy from Microsoft. It's like, hey, by the way, yeah. It's, you want to not bombard the person with too much information, especially when they're just trying to get something done. But you want, and but picking the moment and doing it in the most delightful way, I think again it's like that reassurance. Um, you know, like the ripple that we have in material. Like, it's, it, it, all these things are reassurance points that you're you're fine, you're safe, it's going to be okay. Um, and but you yeah, have to. Those are those are those are like such like valuable points to take away too, because I think. Well, one is like, I, 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 it's so funny you say that because I've like used to be like a big sketch person, but I fully moved to Figma because yeah. they do all the little things right. So I think that's just like the takeaway from, from all that. But go ahead. Yeah, no, so, so, so I just want to say, um, so 
just so that we're having like nice bullet points of like the top best practice you mentioned yeah. nice call to actions which are clear the ability to um tab between different sections so from hotels to flights um we've mentioned avoid dark patterns like as much mm -hmm. as possible for user prop we've talked about um the education pieces and like banners and sort of like reassurance but allow them to be dismissible so they don't disrupt the flow have i kept yep. that's so far for I, I feel like there's a fifth one that we've mentioned in our um no the only other one that i would say kind of adds to those is just adding some sort of value prop like yeah, discounts yeah. refundable tickets some oh, yeah. way to keep users um you know keep people enticed to continue shopping yeah and the other ones come to mind the scenarios we spoke about so make sure that you're thinking about the different scenarios families individuals you know anniversary type people like whatever um yep. And also outside of the experience itself, so re-engagement with email or other means to actually capture user to capture user for like the full service experience rather than just the user experience in that moment. Yeah, you know what? Those are that's a great summary. And you know what? The last like the last like bucket. I think we can just do like a catch-all of other ones that I just like really like. Think of these ones as like the delightful ones that I think kind of just take the experience to the next level. And. Um, so this last, those are like the main, like I would say those are the primary ones. Like if you're just doing a couple sprints, like things to think about, those would be the ones I would start with. And now if we take the ones like to the next level that go from like a good experience to a best in class, these are, this is like the next bucket. So yeah. the first would be a little bit of personalization, right? So logged in user experience, thinking about that journey, but specifically surfacing or showing um, previous searches or so allowing people to continue a journey that they previously exited. So a common thing is like you can do continue your search. You can auto populate previous destinations. Like I was interested in going to, you know, uh, Sydney and Rio and all these other places. So it'll have me, I can quickly access and go back to that journey. And then the other one, which I really like that's new is there's, you can search by nearby like places of interest or popular destinations. So what's the most popular across the entire site? What's the most popular near me? This allows users to have a more narrow search so they get less overwhelmed by searching the entire world if they're in truly in that discover state. Sure, there's gonna be plenty of people that come to a travel site with an exact idea in mind, but there is plenty of people, especially today and like where we're currently at, that are just looking to get inspired and find a place of discover. And if there's a company that's done that, it's clearly Airbnb. They are prioritizing experiences and what people can get from experiences versus like, I want to go to Seattle these days and stay in a hotel. They're, they're capitalizing on the entire travel process and the journey and everything that goes around it. So um, that would be the one delightful thing is, the, is basically allow search history, personalize and give people the ability to stop a journey and continue at a later date. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that? Like, is that something that you found as well? Yeah, no, I mean, and again, this ties to like best practice of like e-commerce sites and search in general. Don't leave people at dead ends. Try and at least offer an alternative. I mean, because I've traveled, I've gone, I've been in multiple of these scenarios. I've gone to travel sites and, okay, we're going to this specific hotel because we've been there before and we really liked it. From yep. that to me and my friend goes, we've got a budget of $50. What are we going to do, right? And so I've, I've been in both buckets. Um and you know, and and both both are valuable, and so it's like that different scenario as well. And then you know, it's like tying to seasonal stuff is also important. That 
you know school holidays like customize the experience according to that or if there's like memorial dates because i used to have like a next door neighbor um he's he was a pensioner but he used to travel a lot always outside of the like when it's peak uh but they would go to say like um the germany for certain memorials like when it's like you know for second world war wars because he's very patriotic and he liked visiting places like that so even tying stuff to like local events possibly um especially now we, we have more localized holidays now um that's that's a possible thing and just like given options because sometimes people don't really know what to do and so anything you can do so breaking again try and break down things into maybe the personas or the the scenarios where it's like okay if you got this is for families this is for for pensioners this is for you know uh rough travel guide type you know folks um but yeah like you know just avoid the dead end as much as possible yeah i mean one thing that's kind of related to this is also like if we're talking about other pain points or things that i can't stand is um when prices aren't when you don't tell show the price up front yeah. like you you get like a teaser price this is very common pra- like practice for budget airlines come in it's 70 bucks but then if you like want a bottle of water it's 50 if you want to pick your seat it's 15 if you want to check a bag if you want to bring any bag on it's like 25 so it's like you know next thing you know you probably would have been better off just finding the next cheapest option um up front so like i get it it's a sales tactic it's a way to kind of like upsell upsell. yeah it's a classic upsell model but I, i would say like if you are trying to stand out and build a brand around your website and your travel is like you know your focus i think putting the price up front is the best thing that you could possibly do it just shows transparency this is what you're going to pay for this price on this date um, and giving people options because i i I love the example you keep giving of like tailoring the different users are you a business user are you by yourself is it leisure you know is it with your family I think family travel now that I have, you know, a young family and you have a young family, I think is like booking for like <laughs> family and like finding airlines and prices and like, very- I don't want to do, lay- I don't want to do layovers with a toddler, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, tell me direct flights, show me the next closest airport. You know what I mean? It's like your, your mindset changes a lot based off of the, the, the situation that you're currently in. Yeah. And also like you, a common user pattern is to open up several tabs and go through and they'll go through each scenario simultaneously, picking loose dates. And so the, the sites which are clearer are the ones that are going to catch people's attention. So I've seen like some hotels where, or like uh, comparison sites in particular, they'll put like different icons that represent it's um, full, full board, meaning like all food and whatever. It's like from breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's like it's free, whatever. Or it's like kid friendly, um, pet friendly or whatever. And the more information that's possible that you can give up front will allow people to go, okay, the price is maybe like $10 in between, but in terms of the overall experience, one fits my needs better than the other, or even one I am able to read better than the other. And so, you know, again, this is, I think with all of these things, it's all about reassuring the user at every point because they're overwhelmed with information and as, as simple as you can actually do it up front, uh, the better. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to try and break down to 10 points, but if I can actually remember each one of the 10 points. I, yeah, we can. I mean, we can keep going through them. I think we're at like seven right now, so I think we have three more. Um, one that I wanted to get your take on. I think this is a best practice, so you can give me the thumbs up or disagree. Is that so? All right, say you you're going through the experience and you pick like let's just say it's a hotel. You pick the hotel you want. 
So hotels typically give you like the PDP and e-com, the product detail page, right? So this would be like a hotel detail page, which gives you everything, you know, gives you the reviews, the amenities, like you probably now have like the safety best practices, right? I'm a big fan of using icons in this situation. I don't want to see a bunch of words, but if I see like the Wi-Fi logo, it's got air conditioning, it has a pool, it has airport transport. So there's just like quick icons that are somewhat universal or like, you know, as universal as you possibly can be from an icon perspective. Yeah. So it limits the amount of text on the page. I'm in favor of this. There's obviously going to be people that say not icons are universal. People aren't going to understand it. But when you're trying to portray a bunch of detail and get people to ultimately convert, I think this is a good way to save real estate. What yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, no, so yeah. long as you can make it expandable, um, like obviously both on touch devices and also on desktop. The thing with icons is it leaves down to interpretation, although you have to understand that context is everything. If you've got a Wi-Fi icon underneath a picture of a hotel, it's quite clear that they have Wi-Fi, do you know what I mean? Or if there's like a picture of a cat and a dog, it's probably going to be pet friendly. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's like, you have to be like um, reasonable as well. But what I would say to any designer is when you get a bunch of these sets of icons which apply all the possible sets, you know, um, obviously you design in the extremes, hotels which have everything, hotels which have nothing, and then show it to users. And you, yeah. you say to them, how would you know if this was pet friendly? Or how, how would you determine if this was, this, this site was, this hotel or this thing was um, favorable for kids? Or, not favorable for kids because you have to have the both positive and negative like if something isn't pet friendly ideally you might want to have a cross for it so do you show all icons at all times or do you only show it uh when it's favorable like, so that, like these are the kind of like um what is the on off switch pattern that you actually um use in your design is something to consider so yeah no but again it's like it's always a balance um anything that allows people to pass the information really quickly is the best because you know yeah, no, I think that I think that's that's spot on. So the last three, which I'm just going to kind of rattle off real quick, and then we'll go do a, we'll do a full full review. Um, is these last three I think are pretty obvious. That's why I saved them, but I think they're really important. Uh, first of the last three, which are kind of just like staples of a good web experience, uh, is just performance. Right, it's got to yeah. be fast. Got it. We've talked a million times on this podcast about the importance of having a good waiting state some loading that says you know looking up 10,000 flights like checking out 5,000 properties that's easy performance is easy thing that to focus on the next is high quality high quality imagery right people travel images are going to help convey the brand without yep. being misleading i can't stand when airbnbs have photos that are 10 years outdated i actually think it would be valuable to show when the images were taken yeah airbnb would be like an example because i can't stand when you go to an airbnb and it, it's like literally the photos are 10 years old so high quality professional imagery and also just pro tip on the performance side lazy load them give people that infinite scroll so they can continue to browse different properties and making sure that you're thoughtfully rendering images because a little bit on the engineering side but that's an easy thing that you know companies can do and ux designers should be advocating for and the last some sort of integrated smart payment solution those are table stakes at this point but being able to accelerate the checkout process to be two clicks pick whatever one you want it doesn't really matter they're all better than going through and filling out every single form so using some sort of payment solution to expedite the checkout is always something that i would look for look to do um, as well 
So those three, I think those are kind of more obvious ones, but anything to add on performance, imagery, or checkout? No, I think that's that's pretty good set. You know, like Airbnb's improved images saw their conversions go up. That's quite a known story. Um, optimizing images is quite easy these days. There's like tools like Optim or like a, an app which I designed called Squoosh. It's, you know, you want to provide the best assets up front rather than just having the most high, you know. So for web designers, if whenever you're providing assets, always do give the most optimized because people forget to do it. Or if you work with the engineers to have something in the process that optimizes images on the fly when websites are being, when images are being added to sites, like, you know, if it's like a control management system, whatever. But yeah, I think that's good. I probably have to re-listen to the podcast to make sure that we got 10. We probably got more than 10. Or maybe there's ones which are like... I, I think I have. I think I have. Tell me if I'm missing any, okay? All right. So I think the first one was clear CTA, value prop above the fold. Yep. Adding a value, adding a value prop, being having the ability to toggle um, from different content categories. When you search, make them personalized, being able to have continue your onward journey, um, using professional imagery, uh, performance. Um... <laughs> it's like a game show, isn't <laughs> That's it? Six, seven was checkout. And then there was three more that were missing, which were about... Avoid, avoid dark patterns as where possible. Yeah, avoid dark patterns was a really good one. Think of the entire and... experience outside before and after. So like, you know, re-engagement from email or other, other things like social media, perhaps. Yep. And then the last was like the information banner, being yeah. thoughtful about how you're displaying, um, you know, you know, COVID messaging or just other updates that you want people to know in a timely fashion. But... That's 10, those are 10 UX best practices for travel sites. Um, no surprise, you could take those 10 things and probably apply it to a ton of other industries. We just pick travel because I don't know about you, but a lot of, it seems like a lot more of my friends and families are starting to open, reopen that up. People are using travel sites more. So I thought this was a very timely uh, topic. Um, any other tips before we drop? No, that sounds great for me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining today's episode of Design Huddle. If you haven't done so, go check out our podcast on Anchor, or you can go to our YouTube channel, just search Design Huddle, hit that subscribe button, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Peace. Peace. Welcome back to Season 2 of Design Huddle. It's 2021. New year, new us. Let's get it. We welcome a new host, a new co-host, Mustafa. He is a UX designer for Google Chrome. He has over 20 years of design experience. I could not be more excited to have him on board. He has a ton of stories and tips for everyone. He'll keep you entertained and coming back for more. And in today's episode, it's packed as always. We're talking McDonald's packaging and redesign, how influencers are, pursu- are pursuing the perfect Instagram selfie, are endangering wildlife, and also the carbon footprint of your website. It's a packed episode. Let's get into it.